Amen. We're so glad each and every one of you are here tonight. We pray that the hand of the Lord blesses you, that God heals and touches you on this night of healing. We are so glad that you have taken time to be here. We know the Lord is already here in this room to make a difference in every heart, every life, every mind. You're gonna walk out of here different than the way you came. How many believe you're, they're gonna walk out here different? We are gonna leave better. Amen. Amen. I look and see all of these young people in the building. We're so glad for all of our young people. This coming Friday, there is a youth rally that's going to be right here, going to be powerful preaching, worship. And uh, when all of these young people will be, be back here on Friday night, can you say amen? This morning, I had the privilege of preaching. Preaching today, this morning at 11 o'clock at the anchor of Cambridge. And while you are there, you are thinking while you are in the building, there's no place I'd rather be in the world. The presence of God was so mighty. The power of God was so powerful. The touch of the Lord was so sweet. You could feel the love of God so strong. I mean, there were so many people there I've never met. The anchor of Cambridge is in, the, in its greatest revival in the history of that church right now. It is amazing. The anointing that you could feel was just overwhelming. And uh, I wanna say it's, it's a privilege tonight. We've been planning for this service for very many weeks. There was a few, I don't know how many months ago it was that your sister passed four months ago that Pastor Josh Christman, his sister passed away. And we were so honored to have Brother Carl, amen, Chrisman and his wonderful wife, Brother Chrisman's, uh, his, his father and mother. We're so glad to have them amazing Christians. We love you all. It does my heart good every time I see you. His parents are here tonight, amazing people. And uh, but Pastor Chrisman preached a message that day that stirred my soul. He preached one of the best messages I've ever heard at a, at a funeral. It was so encouraging. I told Pastor Cody, I told our team, I told my wife, I said, I want everybody to hear what he preached. We're gonna put a service together, a night of healing to where people that have lost loved ones, man, there's been a lot of funerals. Your heart has been broken. Darkness has come into your world. I said, but I want this man to preach this word that God has given him. And we are honored to have this man of God with us tonight. Amen. With his, with his wonderful wife, Rebecca. Amen. Amen. They're here. Pastor Chrisman, would you come? They're here. Kaylin, Skyler, Luke, Hannah, and Ashlyn. And it's Ashlyn's 14th birthday today. Happy birthday, Ashlyn. Happy birthday. His children love the Lord. Aren't we glad to have Pastor Crispin and we want him to preach his heart tonight? Have your way. Take your liberty, my friend. Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. Thank you, Bishop Bounds. Uh, we were so excited today in Cambridge to be able to wrestle him away from... <laughs> You're probably not liking me very much right now. But thank you for allowing him to come and to minister uh, to our church. It was so good, uh, edifying for the bishop, the apostle, uh, 
of these churches of this region to speak to our church. And there was a, uh, there was such a touch of the Lord and you know what it is when Bishop preaches, it's, it's powerful. And, uh, we were edified and touched by the power of God. Uh, thank you for allowing him to come, uh, and to be with us. Amen. Are you ready for the word of the Lord tonight? If you have your Bible, you can turn with me to the book of Psalms, chapter 23. Psalm 23. It is a great honor uh, for me to stand in this pulpit tonight. Um, I was thinking this morning as I was on my way to church and and, uh, pondering It's been almost 10 years since we walked through the doors of this building. 10 years. We're on our 10th year. And I am restored. I have been restored. Amen. If you've been restored by this ministry, I want you to lift your hand right now. Look around. I want you to look around. This is a place of restoration. This is a place of healing. I don't know where I would be right now if it wasn't for this church, but I'm thankful for it. I am. And... I have made it my mission to do for others what Bishop Aaron Bounds has done for me. I have. And I believe that every minister in this house, if you've been restored, it should be your mission. Jesus said, go and do thou likewise. It should be our mission to restore people ministers come on lost saints backslidden saints whatever it is it should be our mission to restore them this is a restoring church if you believe that clap your hands to the Lord Psalm 23 and we'll start reading it verse, verse 1. I remembered this pulpit being a little bit taller. <laughs> it looked taller when Bishop was standing behind it. It's tailor-made for it. It's a power pulpit. (laughs) Praise the Lord. The Lord is, I know it's a very, it's a very familiar passage of scripture. Every one of us have heard it read, whether it's in church or at some funeral somewhere. Psalm 23 and verse one, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. 
He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yay. Somebody say yay. If you look that word up, it means also. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. I want to preach to you on this subject tonight just for a little while. Beyond the shadow. Beyond the shadow. There's life beyond the shadow. Come on, there's happiness beyond the shadow. There's love and fulfillment beyond the shadow. How many know there is anointing beyond the shadow? Amen. Why don't you lift your hands to the Lord right now just for a moment and ask him to speak to you right where you're at. Come on, lift your voice. My heart is open. Let him know. Speak to me, Lord. Speak through the preacher. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, clap your hands one more time. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. Amen. Praise the Lord. Somebody say, praise the Lord. David starts out the 23rd Psalm by saying the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want the Lord is my shepherd he is my shepherd a shepherd's primary responsibility is the safety and welfare of the flock a caretaker for all my provisions, all my healings, all my deliverances, and all my protections. He is a shepherd who never shirks his duty, never puts himself first, never sleeps on the job, and he's never met an enemy that he could not conquer. How many is thankful that the Lord is your shepherd? Know ye not that the Lord, he is good. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name for the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting. How many is thankful that the Lord is your shepherd?
He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Sheep lying down indicate having been fed and having a strong sense of security. Amen. How many know after the day, the, the couple moments after you eat Thanksgiving dinner, you feel a sleep coming on. Come on, man. You, you unbuckle that button on your, on your belt. Loosen that up a little bit. Kick back on the couch. And you say, I'll, I'll be back in just a minute. Amen. Because you're comfortable. You're full. You're satisfied. Amen. How many know that our shepherd causes us to lie down in places where we're fulfilled and we're secure? Amen. And where we're protected by his precious hand. Somebody say amen. How many times has he placed his, you in full provision and in full protection? Even in the midst of a wilderness experience, God always provides for us. He always gives us what we need. He always causes us to be totally and completely fulfilled. Even in the, milder, in, in the wilderness, he has made a way where there seems to be no way. Somebody say amen. Sometimes he don't always give me what I want. But he always gives me what I need. He leads me beside the still waters. I have experienced in the presence of the Lord times and moments of stillness and serenity with the Lord, the depths of which cannot be described with words. I have sat with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I have stood in the very presence of Almighty God. I have been in moments of worship with him and, and meditation upon the word that he has lifted me above my problems and out of my situation and caused me to sit with him in heavenly places. Is anybody thankful for those experiences of spirituality when you can touch the heavenly? Come on. When you can and experience God in a supernatural way. That's our shepherd. He restoreth my soul. Amen. If you look up that word restore right there, it means to return back. Amen. Think about all the things that you have lost and you thought that you would never hold again, but God has restored it. Come on, think about all of the things in your life that sin maybe has wrecked or, or, or sin has destroyed or bad decisions has destroyed and you never thought that you would hold it in your hands again. But the God that I serve, he is a restorer. He brings it back as if it never happened. Amen. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. He is filled with wisdom and understanding. And he has never, he has never, he has never steered me wrong. Amen. Thy word, O oh God, is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. 
in the moments of wondering when I couldn't find my way, he always pointed me in the right direction. Even maybe when I didn't have a heart to do it his way, he made sure that I followed the right road and I did the right thing. Come on, there are moments in my life that I believe that he put the right desire in my heart to do what he wanted me to do. How many is thankful for a shepherd that cares what path we're on? I want to focus tonight on verse 4. But you can't go to verse 4 without taking verses 1 through 3 with you. Amen. Amen. You can't move on to verse 4 until you fully understand who God is and what he has done in your life. God has done so much for me. I cannot tell it all. I cannot tell it all. He has done so. He's healed my body. He has healed my mind. He has given me direction. He has made provision. He has protected me in the moments that I wasn't able to look out for myself. Come on. I hit a semi 70 miles an hour, but the angel of the Lord wrapped his arms around. Amen. I have a testimony of who the shepherd is to me. Amen. He's been good to me. Praise God. If he never does anything else for you, why don't you just lift your hand right now and thank him for who he's been to you. Take a walk down memory lane tonight and be reminded of all of the times that he has restored you, all of the times he has healed you, all of the times he has revealed himself to you, all of the times he has been your shepherd. Uh. Amen. You can be seated. All right, take verses one through three and put them in your pocket. <laughs> We're going to need them later. Verse four, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. In Israel, there's an ancient trail leading up to Jerusalem, which climbs above the deep precipice Jews called the valley of the shadow of death. Theologians say that David had this scene in mind when he wrote Psalm 23. When walking the narrow trail, weary pilgrims going to Jerusalem could easily slip and fall into the deep canyon below. Or robbers might assault them from the huge boulders on the mountainside. It was a dreaded, fearful and dangerous place. But understand tonight that it was part of the upward climb to the holy city. It was a reality of the trip. In order to get there, you must pass through here. Amen. Notice tonight that when he was talking verses one through three, he is making me, he is restoring me, and he is leading me. But when he got to the valley, it says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It does not say that God was responsible for putting him in the valley. It wasn't, it doesn't say that God led him to the valley. 
it doesn't say that it was God's doing that put him in the valley. We understand tonight that God did not bring death upon us, that death passed upon all men for all have sinned. Amen. Death wasn't God's doing. Somebody say death wasn't God's doing. Death didn't, God didn't bring death upon us. It wasn't him that pointed us to the valley of the shadow of death. In fact, being the good shepherd as he is, he made himself like as one of us. He took upon himself the form of a lamb. How many know he was the lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world? And he was made unto the likeness of men. And he came obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And my Bible tells me that he tasted death for every man. He went before us. I want you to think about it tonight. The good shepherd, he doesn't expect us to go somewhere that he's not willing to go himself. He went before us. He prepared the way. Come on. He fought the enemies. He killed the destroyer. He made a way through the valley of the shadow of death. Amen. He made his way through the valley of the shadow of death and he came back to help us through. I just want to tell you tonight, our shepherd has not left us alone. He has not bypassed us. He has not gone without us. He hasn't forgot about us in the valley, but he's right beside you right now. David may have been talking about a particular valley when he wrote this passage. But to me, it speaks of the past we must walk in this life that are filled with uncertainty and darkness and pain. Amen. We understand tonight that as we walk through life, there are times when things happen that we don't understand. There are times when we're faced with situations that we didn't ask for. Come on, there are times that things happen in our worlds that we wouldn't have chosen. Amen. And regardless of whether we wanted it or not, or chose it or not, or if it had been something that, that, that we had decided to have, regardless of all those things, you find yourself in a place that you, you don't understand. It's the valley of the shadow of death. It's a valley that's covered with the shadow of death. Death casts a shadow. We don't really think of it this way. And I'd never seen it this way until the morning of my sister's funeral. As I was preparing early in the morning and praying, the Lord began to show me the shadow of death. When it comes, it brings with it an obscurity that darkens the heart and depresses the mind. It brings with it questions that cannot be answered. Pondering questions that cannot be answered will only bring confusion and hopelessness. It brings with us regrets of things done or not done, things said 
or not said. Come on, somebody, are you with me tonight? It brings with it things we could have done to prevent this from happening, taking the responsibility upon ourselves as if we have control over such things. Amen. Our emotions run wild because we are really not equipped to handle the feeling of the shadow of death. It's impossible to prepare yourself for or to avoid the shadow. I don't care how well prepared you think you are. I don't care how, how much notice you got of maybe somebody passing. It is impossible for you to prepare yourself for the shadow of death. We know all of the scriptures it is appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. We know all of the scriptures that one of these days we're going to stand before God. And we know that one of these days every one of us are going to pass from this life into the next. We can preach about it. We can talk about it. We can ponder it. We can have it fresh in our minds. But when it happens, devastation comes because there is no way to prepare yourself for the shadow of death. Somebody say amen. 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 Some of us feel because we're feeling mourning or we're feeling lonesome or we have a lot of questions that can't be answered or we're feeling angry that we've somehow uh, failed God. But I want to tell you, the Lord knows where you're at and David understood this place. And though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it may not be like the pasture where I lay down and everything's fed. It might not be like the still waters. It might not be like the paths of righteousness but there is a place that I have passed through that I couldn't see my, my, my hand in front of my face. I couldn't get direction. I couldn't hear the voice of the Lord. But I know from verses one through three that God has not left me. He is still by my side. This is the place. You can be seated. This is the place where people contemplate suicide. Amen. You pray, but you feel like you can't get through. Amen. You want to pray, but you feel like your emotions are numb. Come on. You, you, you try to, you go to church and you go through the motions, but you feel like you're not getting anything. In fact, you feel like that your relationship with God is completely gone. It's as if he can't hear you and you can't hear him or he can't feel you and you can't feel him. It's a place uh, of numbness of spirit. It's a place of shadow. Somebody say, it's a place of shadow. The problem rises when we begin to draw conclusions about how God feels about us based on what we feel in the valley. The problem comes when we feel like because I can't feel him, he has abandoned me. Come on. Or just because uh, it doesn't seem like he's answering my questions that he quit caring about me. 
Amen. I want to tell you tonight, some of us, we, our emotions are running wild. We're angry. And some of us are angry because we're asking questions that God can't, don't want to, he can't give you the answer to. There are some things that we're not going to know until we pass on the other side. We just have to re, uh, resign to the fact that there are some questions that God will not answer. But the moment we ask the questions, we expect God to give us all of the answers and when he doesn't, we get angry. Come on. We get angry with the Lord. We get mad at him because we feel like he owes us the right to the answers of those questions. I want to tell you tonight, the shepherd has not left you up until this point and understand he knows what's best for you. He knows what you need. He knows what you need to know and what you don't want to know. Please. Don't draw conclusions based on your relationship with God, based on what you feel in the valley. Amen. I've talked with people and counseled people who have said, I can't feel anything. I don't know what's wrong with me. I can't feel anything. I don't know what's wrong with me. I can't pray. I don't know what's wrong with me. Uh, it feels like I, I can't get out of bed in the mornings. I don't know what's wrong with me. Uh, I've taken breath in, but I feel like I'm not alive. I want to tell you tonight, there's nothing wrong with you. You are resting under the shadow of something that you had no control over. But I want to encourage you today. There is no shadow greater than God. There is no shadow greater than the one that we serve. James 1 and 17 tells me every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights. Somebody say lights. With whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. With God there is no variation or shifting shadows. God is unchangeable and he is entirely trustworthy. Come on, ordinary lights produce shadows, but God's light is shadowless. Other lights wax and wane. They shift, they move around, they go through phases and even fade, but God's light is constant. It never fades, it never changes, it never wavers, and it will never leave. Even in the darkest moments of our lives, he is not in the dark. Come on, somebody. You might be resting under a shadow tonight. You might be resting under a shadow of past things done wrong, of things lost, of, of, of lost loved ones, or past loved ones, or death itself. But I want to tell you tonight, you might be under the shadow, but God is not under the shadow. He's not controlled by it. He's not moved by it. Amen. Even in the darkest places of our lives, he is still God. The psalmist said in 139, if I shall say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night will be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike 
to thee. Was he saying, even though I don't see where I'm going or where I'm at, even though I can't see my way out of it, even though I can't look past the pain and the trouble and the darkness, I know that the God that I serve, it is light unto him. It's not darkness unto him. He's not perplexed. He's not confused. He's not, he's not wringing his hands and asking himself, what am I going to do about this situation? He has the answer. And the answer is, you need to move through the valley. You need to keep walking. You need to keep praying. You need to keep worshiping. You need to keep serving the living God. Matthew 4 and 16, he says, the people which sat in darkness saw great light. Listen to this. And to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung up. I want to tell you tonight, you might feel like you're in darkness, but Jesus is here. He is the light of the world. And there's no darkness that can cover the light of the world. Hmm. Isaiah 42, and I will bring the blind by a way that they know not. I will lead them in the paths that they have not known. I will make darkness light before them and crooked things straight. These things will I do unto them and not forsake them. You may be in a situation that you can't see your way out of, but there will be a time when you'll see the light again. There will be a time when you smile again. There will be a time when the shadow lifts and you see clearly and you walk strongly and you're faithful and your faith is strong. But understand today that this is just a season of your life. Help me know that God wants to heal us all. If you believe that, say amen. amen. He wants to heal every wound. There are folks in here tonight that have lost dear loved ones. And you understand what I'm talking about when I say Questions that can't be answered. There's a thousand of them. You understand everything that I'm preaching about tonight. But sometimes the circumstances surrounding a loss make that loss more grievous than a typical loss. And there are situations that breed even more questions. We get into pondering. Well, did they go to heaven? Were they saved? This is real. What was the state of their soul? Because we understand as apostolics the importance of the state of your soul. And there are people under the sound of my voice tonight, maybe watching online, that you have been under the shadow for years. And because you haven't gotten answers, you have stayed in the valley. 
On the morning of my sister's funeral, I was praying and pondering. And the Lord showed me this scripture. And I got to tell you, it made me feel a lot better about things. I mean, no, God's word has a way of doing that. Ecclesiastes 12 and 13, it says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matters. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Listen to this next scripture. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing whether it be good or whether it be evil. When I read that passage of scripture, I'd seen, because typically when I read that, I thought about the bad. I don't want to stand in judgment for the wrongs that I've done. I make sure I repent. Amen. He said he's going to bring every work into judgment with every secret thing. Right? And so typically we preach it. God sees everything that you're doing. God knows what you're doing. You better stop it. Amen. But he just don't see the bad. He sees the good too. And God has the ability to judge righteously. Justly which is something we don't have the ability to do. We look at the circumstance and we judge it and it brings grief to us. But understand today, God understands the ins and outs of every circumstance, of every life, of every heart. He knows what's good and what's evil. Come on, somebody. Don't give up on somebody just because you didn't trust the circumstances that they passed under. Our God is faithful. He's merciful and he's just. I trust him with my loved ones. <laughs> Amen. I trust the, the, the good shepherd with every person that I care about. I trust him. I don't want anybody else judging them but him because he has the ability to take the whole package, to look at the life from beginning to ending, from what was good and what was bad, what was repented of and what was not, and how far his grace would go to save that life. And I want to tell somebody, that's his business. Let him stay in the business of doing God, and we stay in the business of trusting God. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. It's a hard thing to get out from underneath of. You don't just to, had to lost a loved one. You could have had great loss or tragedy in your life without losing a loved one. It's not necessarily just about death. It's about loss, severe loss. When I was, uh, I ran into the back of a semi at 70 miles an hour two years ago. And uh, I have no recollection of the accident or anything like that. But when I came to in the emergency room, my left leg was crushed. 
Uh, I had no idea where I was at, what had happened. I kept asking everybody around what happened. Uh, did I fall asleep? What happened? What caused this? Uh, I, I don't really understand why this happened. Uh, a lot of pain and a lot of suffering. And uh, as I went to Columbus in the back of the, uh, the emergency squad, I tried praying. And I couldn't, I couldn't hardly pray. I couldn't feel God. Um, I just kept saying over and over again, Lord, I don't understand. Why? Why? What is, what did I, what did I do? Did, did I do something wrong? That's the first thing we think. Why? I, I need to know why I don't understand. Couldn't feel God with me. Couldn't feel him next to me. I was laying in the hospital bed in the, in the emergency room at Grant Medical Center. And they finally gave me some pain medication. <laughs> Sometimes we just need relief, don't we? And I was laying there and in walks Bishop Bounce. And he comes right up to the bedside and lays his his arm on the bed and puts his head on me and starts hugging me. And he says these words. He said, Brother Chrisman, usually when I come to the emergency room, I got to bring God with me. But the moment I walked in the door, I could feel him. Sometimes we need to trust the man of God in our life. Come on. And even though I couldn't feel him, And even though I wasn't sure that he could hear my prayer and that he even cared about where I was at, my bishop let me know he's in the room. He's right beside you. He hasn't left you. He, he will not fail you. He's with you. Amen. He's with you tonight. Through the process of surgery and and being cut open multiple times and having rods and pins and, and uh, stitches, over 100 stitches. I remember being able to go home. That was a highlight. Months without being able to go to my house and sleep in my own bed. Got to the house and I began to heal. Is this okay? And the healing process is a funny thing. It's, uh, it takes a while. It's a process. Healing doesn't happen overnight. I wanted to just jump up and run. I wanted to, to recover very quickly. But I laid on that, on that couch and, and back and forth for months, not even being able to walk or to bend my left leg. And even the, just laying there hurt. Amen. Some of us just waking up in the morning hurts. When the wound is fresh, it hurts. It hurts at a standstill. It hurts not doing anything. You wake up and you just start crying for no reason. Because the wound is fresh. How many know what I'm talking about? 
But after a through a little bit of time, the pain began to subside. And I could lay there on the couch painless. Man, and I was happy about that. And I thought, well, I'm healed. Somebody say, he's not healed. Some of us think because we don't have pain at a standstill that we're healed. Amen. Some of us want to stay in the valley. We want to stay where we're at because moving forward hurts too much. Amen. And being at a standstill, it's painless because you're not functioning the way you should be. Amen. And you're okay with that. But I want to tell you tonight, God is not okay with that. God wants us to move forward. God wants us to continue with healing. Somebody say amen. It came time then for the physical therapist to show up. I hated that guy. With a passion. He walk in and I just start growling. I'd say, no. He came in the very first time and he's like, introduced himself and, and, you know, tells me his qualifications. And he's like, all right, let's get down to business. He looked at my right leg, pulled it up, bend it around. You know, there was a little bit of damage there, but it was fine. And he moved it around and flexed it and, and said, and said uh, do you have strength in that leg? I said, yeah. And he said, okay, we'll leave that one alone. And he went to the left leg. My kneecap was exploded. And they put 10 screws in it with a plate to hold it together. And he, he's like, all right, we got to bend that leg. And I said, huh? I said, no. I will knock you out. You've never been afraid of a cripple before, but. I didn't want it because I knew what it felt like. And I said, no, I, I'm not doing that. And he said, Mr. Crispin, let me tell you something. He said, if you don't let me do it now, if you don't let me bend that leg and get that leg moving now, you will never have a full functioning leg. In fact, you will be handicapped the rest of your life. I said, go ahead, man, but take it easy. He started bending that, that leg, and it was the worst pain I've ever felt. I mean, I would take a couple Advil before he got a hold of it and began bending the knee, uh, but it didn't touch it. That's like spitting on a forest fire. I mean... What's the point? He said, do you want some ice? It's like, what? (laughs) 
It's going to hurt anyways. Begin bending it and functioning that leg and moving that leg around. Day after day when he came in, he would take it just a little bit further. He, he would bend it just a little bit more. And I remember crying out in pain. Ah! My kids would leave the room because they couldn't stare, stand to see daddy cry. Tears running down my face. Amen. Because I want healing. Because I want restoration. Because I want full functionality. Amen. Some of us think because we don't feel the pain anymore that we're healed. But I want to tell you, healing is more than being painless. Healing is total and complete functionality in every area of your life. God's not satisfied with you just being half or partial and you being satisfied with just laying in the valley of the shadow of death. It's time. It's time to come out from underneath the shadow. It's time to get healing. It's time to face the pain. Come on, lift your hands to the Lord right now in the name of Jesus. It's time to face the pain. It's time to look it square in the face. It's time to make up your mind. I'm not satisfied being a half. I'm not satisfied being emotionally handicapped. I'm not satisfied with half a heart or half a brain. I need restoration and healing. Come on, somebody. Come on. Pray in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. You can come to the music tonight. It is God's will for you to function at optimum capacity in every area of your being. It's not okay with Him that you're handicapped. Mm. Mm. Come on, open your heart to the Lord right now. Mm. Mm. There are people under the sound of my voice every time. The Lord tries to get close to that part. Or that thing, that wound, whatever it is, you shy away. You want to run back to that dark place because at least it don't hurt there. Some of you, that's the reason you don't come to church faithfully. Is because when you get in the presence of the Lord, the Lord starts reaching for that part of you that needs to be restored. Not one time did that therapist, when he come into to my house, ever go for my right arm. Even though I flexed on him. How about this? Work on this one for a while, right? He's like, no, that's not what's hurt. That's not what's damaged. I'm after this. 
Some of us, we don't like coming to church because you feel like the preacher picks you out. But that's not necessarily the preacher. That's the preacher. And he's got something greater for you than allowing you to stay where you're at in the comfort of the shadow. How could anybody ever get comfortable under? You're in the building. I know stepping out, I know, I know it hurts. I don't know what you've been through, but I know it hurts. I know it's dark. I know it's lonely. But all you got to do tonight is allow the creator to begin to place his hand on that area of your life. Come on. It may not happen tomorrow. You might not be fully functional next year at this time. But there will come a day when you won't only be pain-free, but you'll be fully functional. How many believe that tonight? I want to tell you tonight, as, you, uh, as we're going to make our way to this altar tonight, and we're going to have an altar call. We're going to pray over you. But I want to tell you that pain is not your enemy. Weeping is not your enemy. Staying in the shadow is. And I made up my mind a long time ago. I want to be fully functional. Lord, I want you to move in my life in whatever capacity that you deem necessary to bring total and complete healing to my heart, to my soul, to my mind, to my body. Lord, whatever it takes, God, whatever pain I have to face, it's worth it to me to be able to fulfill your plan for my life. Some of you tonight have fresh wounds and this message is going to do you well in the future days because you're going to understand what you're feeling and what you're up against. But some of us, the, one, the people I'm really talking to tonight are people that have been in the valley way too long. You have stayed there too long. You have, uh, you have set up camp or sat down in the valley and refused to move. I don't know what the reason. Maybe it's because you didn't get your questions answered. Maybe it was because it was more than you could handle and, and the pain was too great that you just had to quit. But I want to tell you tonight, it's time to get up. The shepherd has already told us he's with us. It's time to get up. It's time to face the pain. It's time to start walking out of that valley because there is healing beyond the shadow. 
Come on. There's happiness beyond the shadow. There's more relationships beyond that shadow. Come on. There's total and complete restoration, healing and deliverance beyond the shadow. You can't stay there. If you stay there, you will die the way that you are. Tonight is the night that you get up and you walk out. Tonight's the night that you get up and you make your way out of that shadow. If that's you tonight, I wonder if you could run to this altar. Come on, lift your hands unto the Lord and just begin to pray right now. Come on, we want to pray with you. Come on, we want to pray with you. The presence of the Lord is here to heal you, but if you don't respond, he can't touch you. Come on, I want you to come. You're moving out of your seat is an indication. I'm moving. I don't care. It's going to hurt, but I'm moving. I'm going to feel the pain of it, but I'm moving. I'm moving out of this valley. I can't stay here. I refuse to stay here. The time has come for me to move out from underneath this morning. Oh, this, this, this accident, this tragedy, whatever it is, it's time. Come on, it's time. It's time. In the name of Jesus. It's time. There's an anointing beyond the shadow. You got to get up and move. There's a calling. It's still on you. The gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. It's time to lay down your failure and lay down that shadow of guilt and shame that's been covering you. It's time for God to use you again. It's time. It's time. the shadow of those bad decisions. It's time right now. You're not that person anymore. Make up your mind. I'm facing it. I'm getting out of this valley. I'm moving. I'm moving. I'm moving. It hurts, but I'm moving. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. 